I'm Dr. Kimberly Manning. And this is Dr. Ashley McMullen. And you're listening to the Human Doctor Podcast, where we explore the human side of medicine, along with teaching, living, learning, and all things in between. Using the power of storytelling, conversation, and connectedness. Hey, we're two dope academic internal medicine doctors, but we ain't your doctors. So if you perceive anything we say here as medical advice, no, it ain't that. Also, the things we say, they only reflect our brilliant black woman magic mind and not our employers. You could have been anywhere, y'all, but you chose to be here with us and we appreciate you. Let's Let's go. Looks like Dr. Manning is coming to us live from Nashville at the double AMC conference. Wow. And she's showing me all her swag. So um, tell us what you, what, what's the latest in the strings of, of recognitions that you've accumulated? First of all, you got jokes. But second <laughs> of all, it's very nice um, when you do the work that you feel like you should be doing and you get acknowledged by your peers. So the double AMC, who is like overall the stuff with medical schools, um, mm-hmm. one of the affinity groups of the AAMC is the group on diversity and inclusion. And so we focus a lot on diversity curricula and what medical schools do around diversity. And so um, each year, the group on diversity and inclusion of the double AMC, they give um, an exemplary leadership in DEI award. And um, it's either to an individual or a team. So mm-hmm. it's me and uh, Dr. Jada Bussy Jones, my mentor. Mm-hmm. And um, we won the 2022 exemplary leadership in DEI award. A little bit of a flex. That's excellent. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was um, it was it was a really nice recognition and um, special shout out to Dr. Cheryl Heron, who is our uh, chief of diversity at Emory, who led our nomination. And, I, and, and that just gives me like a sidebar to say one of my favorite things about the people that I work with, especially the black women that I work with, is that nobody is in competition with anybody and everybody is trying to see everybody win. Mm. Because here's the deal, like Dr. Heron does this work too. You know, she does it at the medical school level, but it was Dr. Heron who chose to drive our nomination wow. for this award. Um, and uh, it's really nice uh, to work in spaces with people with a similar mission, but you're not in competition. Mm. Yeah, so, I love that. And that's not always the case, especially, you nope. know, with women who have, racial concordance with you is mm-hmm. not always the case. You yep. feel like it's not enough room. Yep. Not enough seats at the table. Mm-hmm. Like how you hated on Amanda when you I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. If y'all haven't caught that episode, go ahead and uh, flip back in the archives. Yeah. <laughs> Wasn't enough room. Wasn't yeah. enough room, but there was room all along. So um yeah, what else is good with you? Um Instead, we should talk about what's good with your hair right now, which oh, is okay. everything. I mean, <laughs> you know, and that's the beauty because Jules, she she does not feel any type of way about Mahalia showing up just, mm. you know, just extra fly on, on these on these recordings. So, mm. y'all, um, Dr. McMullen um, has taken Mahalia, done a, a, a twist out, and she just has this beautiful blooming coily explosion of i don't know what to call them <laughs> it's just so fire it looks so good 
Thank you, sis. And I appreciate Jules always making space for us at the she table. Makes she makes space. You know, there's a lot of volume that came through this twist that I was quite proud of. Mm-hmm. You know what else I love is that I'm um, here at the AAMC. As you know, I got to spend some time with Justin Bullock, mm-hmm. um, former UCSF student turned resident, now um, a renal fellow at University of Washington. Um, but we just got to hang out and spend some time. I met him during the same visit where I met you. Mm. And um, really the reason I'm telling this story other than like, of course, we we both have a whole love fest of Justin. Like we yes. love Justin, right? Yes. Shout out to Justin. But we, Justin and I FaceTimed you. And the first thing I said <laughs> when I opened the FaceTime and saw you, I was like, come on, twist out. Come on, Mahalia. <laughs> Oh, I love black women. Yeah, y'all know Dr. Manning and Dr. Bullock surprised me with the FaceTime. Um, so I, while I appreciated the the hair love, I was also experiencing serious FOMO um, that two of my favorite people are getting to hang out without me. Yeah. And we were like all the way tucked in a corner where nobody could bother us. And we were just <laughs> chopping it up. It was lovely. It was really lovely. Ah, I love that. Yeah, I'm so very, good. very proud of Justin. Justin's dope. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. Yeah. What's up with you? Well, it's actually our first day of UCSF interviews for our IM program. Oh, yeah. Okay, so we get okay. we get started a little late, um, but that in part is because we do a holistic review process. So it takes us some time to get through our applications and making sure we're not just looking at test scores and clerkship grades, but kind of taking into account everybody's lived experience and welcoming different perspectives into um into the fold so okay. well though that wasn't meant as shade <laughs> i just want you to know we do holistic review too but we started our interviews already okay i, I mean okay. but no shade i'm just <laughs> i'm just saying i'm glad y'all doing holistic review. yeah well you know we got to be we just be a little extra careful you know oh, we just okay. want to make sure that nobody falls through the, the cracks y- your holistic so. review is more whole <laughs> it takes Although, time. That being said, we know that, you know, there are way more excellent people than, you know, the slots that we had space to interview. Mm-hmm. And this morning I got to get on the Zoom call, which shout out to the virtual interview, because particularly for our applicants not having to, you know, shell out more thousands of dollars to fly around and, the country. And I just left a, a climate in healthcare. Um, Ooh. Uh, yeah, I, I thought about you too. Renee Salas, who is the bomb, she gave an amazing talk. So I thought about you and I thought about how many every time I think about people doing virtual interviews, mm-hmm. I'm like, I, that is that is such a good look for, you know, our climate. Oh, my God, that yeah. makes me so happy. Well, without further ado, I had to stop what I was doing at the double AMC. I had to interrupt all the things that I needed to learn that I could come back to this hotel room and partake Mm -hmm. in the Ashley McMullen blessing me and you with a story. Mm. Mm. Wow. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. Won't he do it? (laughs) (laughs) So what, what my sister is the what? The what for this episode, I think it's going to be perspective. Ooh, perspective. Yeah. Have we used that one yet? I'm starting to lose track. Well, I I would just say you should talk to the editor of our uh, <laughs> of our podcast 
I know. I was thinking a lot about the episode where you talked about what matters most, especially as a medical student. I was reflecting on a time beginning a couple months before I started medical school in 2011. I was finishing up a year of research in Boston, getting ready to move back to Texas to start my first year of med school. I was in my mid-20s, still had a couple of friendships from high school and college that Mm -hmm. You know, I kind of kept up with, but had been kind of letting fall by the wayside. I had one friend in particular who I was close to in high school, who I hadn't really been keeping up with. And I would say that was more on me than it was on her at that Mm -hmm. time. Mm-hmm. And I remember a couple months before I was getting ready to to head back to Texas for med school, I had gotten a call from this friend um, and she was in a bit of distress. She had gotten married not too long after we graduated high school and um, was having some difficulties with her her spouse. They had just gotten into a really big argument over a decision that her spouse had made to purchase a sports vehicle. Mm. that she did not agree with because she had a sense that her spouse tended to be reckless when it came to fast cars. Oh, man. And so it created a big rift in their relationship. And she was, you know, telling me, and I was trying to, you know, do some supportive listening and, you know, but kind of in my heart, I was just like, you know, I don't really kind of have the energy to to pour into this. And, you know, after we got off the phone, I let it go and never really followed up or reengaged after that. So, Fast forward a couple months, I start medical school. We know those first couple days, the metaphor, like, you know, trying to take a sip from a water hose is exactly what it was. I was in that library and the study halls, like in the basement of the school till like 2 a.m., 3 a.m., just really balls the wall trying to get after it, particularly because I had a rocky start in college and I really wanted to perform well in med school. And lucky enough, you know, I did really well on our first block of exams and our exams took place over one week. So it's just like every day you're taking another exam. So it was a lot of high pressure testing. And so I got through that first block, you know, feeling a little bit of the pressure release, but still very much kind of in my zone of like, this is what matters. Like I'm putting all my energy into this. I logged on to Facebook at some point around that time after finishing those exams and I was just scrolling through and I remember coming across a couple of posts about this friend's spouse. Mm. And it was things like, we're praying for you. Like, oh my God, this is so tragic. Like, I hope you pull through. Come to find out my friend's spouse had gotten into a horrific car accident. Oh no. And miraculously, they did survive the accident, but were hanging on by a thread. Mm. And I remember very vividly the feeling of of seeing this and kind of putting the story together in my mind and like feeling almost this ice in my chest, like, oh my God. And then along that same thread was kind of like, what do I do now? Mm. You know, do I just pick up the phone? Do I like type a message on Facebook? I was kind of feeling a little bit of loss in terms of how to re-engage or whether it would be appropriate to engage at all. Mm. And I just ended up in that moment just picking up the phone and, and calling my friend and come to find out her spouse had been admitted in the surgical ICU in the same hospital where I was training as a medical student. Wow. And um, even though I wasn't doing clerkships yet, had hardly spent any time in that hospital. It was, you know, right next door. So I yeah, had- You had I, access. I had access, exactly. So um, the next day, you know, after class, I got in there and kind of made my way into- the ICU and came across this person's room who I'd known from high school. 
And they were just completely unrecognizable, just like mm. multiple, like mm. large bone fractures, organ damage, traumatic mm. brain injury. Mm. I don't think that I'd ever seen anybody in that situation up close and definitely nobody that I knew. Mm. And so after standing in the room for a little bit, there was nobody else in there. I'm just kind of standing there by myself, kind of taking the scene in. And then I make my way out to the waiting area and my friend's entire family is there just kind of holding a vigil immediately like hugs you know we're so glad that you're here it's just like just love like stepping into a intense energy of of love and care and so for the next couple weeks almost every day i would do coursework or whatever and i would go straight to the waiting room and kind of be there with this family and Eventually, her spouse did recover, but it's a long kind of excruciating process. You know, it was such an important and poignant perspective shifting event for me at that point in medical school. So while I was spending, you know, my days in between class with this family, I actually ended up failing my test for the wow. second block. Yeah, I remember getting the grades back and actually feeling okay. <laughs> mm. I was just like, you know, this isn't path altering, like I can make this up. I know that's not always the case, mm -hmm. but I think that in any other circumstance, had I failed exams at that point, I would have been devastated. Yeah. Um, but I knew what the situation was. I knew what I was kind of giving up by being present in that moment. And um, it was it was very much a worthwhile trade-off. Yeah. I learned so much from that experience, more than I would have in, you know, the classroom or hold up in my apartment or the the study hall, particularly the impact on loved ones. So, I mean, of course, there's a mm. lot going on with the patient, but, you know, there's multiple levels of trauma that come from the family experience, yeah. especially in something like that, when it's like a day-to-day -day change, when you're hanging mm -hmm. on to every moment, everything that hangs in the balance and not mm. only like, you know, whether or not someone survives, but who they're going to be afterwards. Mm. What do you think was the biggest lesson for you out of all mm. of that? Like once you got past the guilt, because, you know, there's there's a part of it that you could say mm -hmm. that it worked out for you to show up. That could have been self-serving, right? To yes. make up for, for the guilt that you felt. And I've definitely done that before. Mm -hmm. I have absolutely positively done something for somebody that was self-serving to make myself feel better. Even though, I mean, and, and, and actually didn't care if they could tell, yeah. um, <laughs> like in the end, you know, we're going to be even, Stephen. Yeah. Um, but I, it looks like you've had some distance from it. So now what, what did you learn? A couple things. Probably the most important thing was that in that situation, how I felt or how it reflected on me did not matter. Yeah. Whether she chose to ignore the phone call or like picked up and just like, you know, you ain't been around the last couple months, like I'm, I'm busy, like whatever the case was or whatever she needed at that time. It was about, you know, it was about the, the tragedy that happened and how to best be supportive in that moment, you know, whether mm. that happened from a distance or up close. Mm. I think that was kind of the, the decision tree for me in terms of like picking up the phone to call. It was just like, I'm not seeking absolution. I'm not trying to be in the mix just to like, you yeah. know, be the hero swooping in like with a little short white coat. Like, <laughs> You know, that you just got a week ago. Exactly. Like ceremony. Exactly. I'm not here to translate medical advice. You know, I'm just here to hold space and hold vigil. And I think that was, I mean, 
I can put this in a greater context, but just to keep it short, I needed that lesson at that moment, mm. that, that degree of, of humility and what really matters most in those moments. So if we could rewind, mm-hmm. rewind all the way back to when she called you and she said, oh, you know, my, you know, my spouse has bought this, this car and, you know, I'm worried and this is reckless and we had a big argument. Um, What do you think you could have done Mm. or or is there anything you think you could have done? That's a tough question since I am glad that you brought that up because, you know, I don't feel necessarily that like I would have gone back and, you know, been, you know, like, oh, like I'm so like, I mean, I, I think I was appropriately engaged during the conversation but would I have gone back and like, you know, kept checking in or kind of been a little bit more present? I think that's hard to say. Right. I, I think there is value in recognizing what relationships you're going to be able to put time and energy into. I think this is just mm-hmm. a natural part of growing up mm-hmm. is that your time and, and space becomes a bigger commodity mm. and you're not going to be able to keep up with everybody that you kept up with before. Yep. Yep. But I think that doesn't close the door on re-engaging in a relationship later on, mm-hmm. you know, especially if certain events bring people together in ways that were unexpected. What it does is changes the dynamic of the relationship. I've learned better to be honest with folks when I don't have the energy to, to engage in ways that I would like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think that works really well if it's like a, a tangible thing. Mm-hmm. But if it's something that's more slippery or more hard to grab, like a cloud, you know, mm. um, like I don't have the bandwidth to support you. Mm. Um, it almost always hurts the person's feelings. But, yeah. but the hard the hard piece is that you just can't figure out how do I how do I support me? Yeah, yeah. While I support you, what's dope I think is that what you did well. And what you did well is at the period when she did disclose that initial um, concern to you, you heard her, Mm -hmm. you heard her. Now, as far as you, you know, taking the monkey and putting it on your back and carrying, you know, sometimes it's okay to just pet the monkey. Mm. You could pet the monkey. You can, you can hold it for a little while and rub it under the chin and then hand it back. And I use that metaphor because I think that's a very, very important thing for women, but just for people who are empaths, period. Like, yes, you know, I'm at work sometimes and somebody will start talking to me and I will be like, this is a monkey. The monkey is trying to get on my back and I will not take your monkey. I will not feed your monkey. I will not. I will not babysit your monkey. I'm going to pet the monkey and you're going to take it back. Mm -hmm. So if they're like, oh, you know, maybe we can. No, no. Here's what I think you should do. I hope things work out for you. Yeah. Because if you don't, if you know, it's nothing worse than somebody thinking you're supporting them, but you really are checked out. Yeah. And you don't got to take on every monkey. Yeah. You got to hear, you know, George Michael in your ear saying, baby, who's that? Don't look now. It's a monkey on your back. <laughs> That's literally what I hear in my head. <laughs> And I'm telling you, monkeys are everywhere, especially mm-hmm. at work, especially when you work in places like where we work. Mm-hmm. I mean, and I, I mean, if you don't like the term monkey, I'm sorry. I don't, <laughs> I don't mean it like in a derogatory way, but it's just yeah. like people's issues and problems. Mm-hmm. They try to give it to you to share yeah. with them. Yeah. 
Nope. That's real. You know, for anybody who follows the Enneagram, I am a strong type five. My energy is the thing that I hold on to and I'm very selfish about. So my my tendency is to opt on the side of protecting my energy and mm-hmm you know, the very few monkeys that I'll take on. But, you know, I have been able to be a little bit more reflective on, you know, the spaces where I can stretch that. Mm -hmm. And I think particularly given the circumstance, given the person, always having to be open to re-evaluating my priorities and where I can extend more energy, even if it doesn't exactly feel great up front. So it's a constant learning process. You always still need energy for you. Mm. you got to save some of that energy for you yes and if again like if you're an empath you can just sap yourself dry when I was leaving Justin today he told me he was grateful to me for making the time for him and I said you know what like I appreciate you saying that to me but I wanted to see you Mm. I wanted to talk to you when I met Justin we made a very you know instant connection And I have stayed in touch with him since I met him at UCSF when he was just an intern. Mm. And I always texted him and checked on him and followed what he was doing. And I was really looking forward to spending some time with him. There was definitely a piece in that that was all for me because I knew it was gonna be something that was gonna nourish me. Yeah. So it's okay to do stuff for people and know it's something that's gonna fill your soul at the same time, that's fine. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we do gotta do stuff that's for people that won't fill our souls. Yes. But you got you got to measure that thing out. <laughs> wow, you do. I mean, yeah. I'm just dropping them old lady pearls on you today. <laughs> right, I was like, oh. I need to start writing this down. Well, I can say without a doubt that these conversations nourish me and rejuvenate me, and it's the best way to start a week. It is. You know, my friendship with you is one of the biggest come ups. I've had in a long time. Mm. If y'all don't know what a come up is, a come up is when you find something or you get something that you did not deserve, you did not expect, you were not looking for, you were just minding your own business and you came up. And this Mm. is a very high compliment for me because I always refer to Mr. Manning as the biggest come up (laughs) of my whole life. But I was like, you know, this was a real come up for me. Mm. I wasn't wasn't looking for no little young 30 something friend. friends I got a bunch of friends I'm like but it was just a come up yeah well I mean the come up was real on my side (laughs) like you know right at the time literally it was like maybe not even a like two weeks into my faculty job Uh, I struggled that's what's up well it's like I told Justin that thing was bi-directional yeah it is it is very mutual sis and um I love you and I thank you for um you know, centering us and getting us to think about what matters. Yes. Love you too, sis. Thank you for uh, taking the time outside of the, the double AMC conference to, to sit and chat with your girl. For sure. For sure. That wraps up this week's episode of the Human Doctor Podcast. Special thanks to our favorite brother gastroenterologist, Dr. Chuma Obiname for the beats. Shout out to the Dr. Ashley McMullen for editing and production. Mad love to our podcast family at The Nocturnist and The Clinical Problem Solvers, our med Twitter fam. And especially shout out to all of you, our listeners. Until next week, remember, we see you and you are enough. Holla! Holla.